Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. Today's guest is Adam Greenwood, CEO of Greenwood Campbell, and we're talking about the work that Greenwood Campbell have been doing to help alleviate loneliness through the power of voice, and we'll find out a lot more of that when we speak to Adam momentarily this was broadcast live on linkedin so please do join me on linkedin we're going to start broadcasting these on there where appropriate just add me on linkedin search for kane sims and i'll put the link to the account in the show notes as well this podcast is brought to you by the conversational academy so if you would like to learn how to become a world-class conversation designer and learn everything there is to know about designing conversations there is no better place than the conversational academy and you can save 10 percent if you click on the link in the show notes now ladies and gentlemen without further ado this is adam greenwood of greenwood campbell on the ux world Gives you a countdown as well, that's pretty nice. Okay, so, hey, hey, looks like we're live. Hello there. I'm hoping this is live. We'll soon find out when I go to LinkedIn in a moment and double check, but uh, fingers crossed. And uh, Dustin, welcome to the first live broadcast of VUX World. This is exciting, a little scary, but this is exciting. Uh, hello, everyone who's watching right now. Adam Greenwood, welcome to the podcast and welcome to LinkedIn Live. Thank you, Kane. It's been um, it's been a long time coming. I'm super excited about chatting with you today. It has been a super long time coming, and uh, I'd like to say thank you as well, actually, because I, you put on the Fable event. Uh, must have been 2018, maybe something like that, uh, early on 2018, and uh, at that event, it was the first time we met, and it was the first time I've met a whole range of people, actually, in uh, the UK voice kind of scene. Many people I still speak to today, so thanks for all the efforts that you've been putting in. That's great. I think it's, um, you know, we've been pushing, we've been pushing voice now for about two years, and... I think finally it's starting to, you know, we're either really annoying people or people are finally starting to take notice. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about uh, Greenwood Campbell. Sure. So, um, so yeah, so my name's Adam Greenwood. Uh, I set up uh, the agency Greenwood Campbell just over 10 years ago. Um, I've been a, a big advocate of voice since around late 2017 when I went off to Palo Alto and various parts of Silicon Valley to try and understand what the future of technology was. Uh, I spent some time in um, Stanford University and all the campuses of the big tech companies, and um, as well as learning about machine learning and robots and uh, autonomous vehicles, voice was something that really spoke to me. Um, so since then I've got back and I spent some time with my agency just kind of explaining, well, I mean, when I originally came back, I just came back to my agency of 35 plus web developers and said websites are dead, which, uh, in hindsight, wasn't the best uh, the best way of delivering that message. But uh, since then, we've kind of um, we stabilised. We uh, in terms of understanding that websites aren't dead, but there's so many more um, ways of uh, I suppose interacting with AI, and one of those is voice. So Greenwood Campbell, the agency, um, we call ourselves the Human Tech Agency. 
we try to work with organizations that improve people's lives. Uh, and we're, we're doing some really exciting uh, voice projects at the moment with all kinds of different organizations. Cool. And uh, <laughs> I've messed up the image again. And so you've been uh, mentioning the, the, well, the thing we're going to be speaking about is the, uh, the thing that you've been doing recently all in, in trying to kind of combat loneliness uh, and we'll come into that in a moment because that was a really really interesting uh piece of work but have you got kind of some examples of some of the other stuff that you've been doing in in, in the kind of industry i know that there was a while back you had that demo uh where you were asking google assistant who is the best agency for voice in london and it responded with greenwood campbell so what are some of the other some of the other examples that you've been uh, that you've been doing uh within the space so, I mean, actually, what we did say was who's the best digital agency in the world? And it used to say Karima Campbell until we demoed it um, to some really senior people from Google Assistant who said, yeah, you absolutely can't do that. And so then they, they had that removed, which is a shame because it worked. We tested it all over the world and it, and it worked. Uh, so we have built some voice prototypes for brands like Gymshark. Um, we have done some voice donation work with the RNLI. Um, we've built a uh, voice skill, um, which is a game, um, which which has had about, uh, I think, one and a half million users, something like that. Um, and we've also done, oh, uh, one for a client called Ramsey Healthcare, which allows you to find the best consultant when you're, um, you're looking for particular treatments. Cool. And... What is coming from um, after being kind of in America and coming back and, and, and kind of, you know, kind of confessing to the team that, that websites are dead? What are some of the things that you uh, that you kind of noticed early on, some of the kind of early learnings of, of kind of working with clients and working with voice? What were some of the kind of early things that you uh, that you kind of come across that maybe were different or what you might not have expected? Well, I think that we, I think that we expected brands to be jumping on board much, much quicker than they have. Uh, all of the stats, and I know this one gets banded around all the time. The kind of fifty uh, percent of, of searches by voice by twenty twenty. I think we can all agree that's definitely not going to be the case. Um, but there are lots and lots of stats to um, to support the fact that voice, especially for younger users, is is becoming the sort of de facto way that people want to search. Uh, whether that's via Siri or um, if they're using Google Assistant or Alexa on their phones or in their homes, we're seeing like more and more use of uh, WhatsApp voice notes. Um, so I think the biggest surprise really to me was that A, that the brands that we're speaking to weren't quite ready, uh, but but B, just how, how few brands are really jumping on this and building their own sort of custom voice skills and, and actions. Adam, why do you think that's the case? Why do you think the brands aren't jumping on it as quickly as you would have expected? I think uh, I think that um, that any time that you're looking for innovation, I think brands have to be in a position where they've got some uh, some budget that they can throw at it. Um, I think we find that even the most innovative brands, when they want to do something kind of crazy, they're still looking for sort of ROI, which I think is really is it, uh, you know the two the, the two things are very juxtaposed innovation and ROI because really it's um it's about what you learn when you do something innovative as opposed to um, how many additional sales you can get so I think that's part of it I think a lot of brands are kind of focusing on business as usual um, and and 
and frustratingly, when when we'll be pitching to brand new clients, you know, about pretty crazy ideas for using voice, a lot of the time, those brands will say, well, show me an example where a brand like us has done something like this. And obviously, they, they never have. And it's just trying to find the, the right type of forward thinking brands who, who are prepared to sort of push the envelope. Do you think do you think that's where we are then at the moment is that voice is being kind of reserved only for those who are on the more innovative end is it still being seen from your experience as a kind of shiny new object and and is there a bit of a lack of understanding of what the value is is that what you're seeing I think so I think that uh, one of the one of the main issues as as you well know uh, guys is uh, discoverability so even if you do build something, it's quite hard to find unless it gets unless you're pushing it really hard and you've got the right channels to do that. Um, and also, I think yeah, it's just about trying to find the right use cases because I think the more voice first and screen devices that are out there, I think that's going to be much much better for 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 the use cases. But certainly, when you, I mean, anybody that I ask um, and and myself as well included, and I've got voice devices all over the home. Everyone kind of uses it for the same thing, which is, you know, timers, music, reminders, add to shopping list. But other than that, how I don't know how many people are really sort of embracing the idea of either searching for or, or wanting to uh, find out more or buy products directly by voice. Mm. And how are you kind of, what sort of messages are you kind of giving those brands then to sort of are you trying to encourage them to experiment or and kind of research is that kind of how you're approaching it from more of a like let's do something to experiment with the medium or with those platforms is that how you're kind of pitching it to to people i think well i, I think we're doing it two ways i think part of it is if you find a brand that you think is is up for doing something that you know potentially award-winning and fun and innovative then great but also we're speaking to people about look this is nuts and bolts the way that you're going to have to uh, engage with your users. And if people are searching via voice for your products and services and you're not there, then it's a huge wasted opportunity. And it's almost like, this almost feels like the kind of the wild west or the, or the beginnings of when people were um, buying up all the domain names. It's like there are, there are people out there searching for services and it's just, it seems to me like the perfect time for, for brands to get involved. Um, especially around uh, uh, certain use cases. And for, for me, I think anything in the kind of exploratory stage, you know, if I'm sat at the moment, you know, if I'm sat in the kitchen and I'm just curious and I want to say, you know, what, um, how much is going to cost me to fly to Barcelona? For me, that's a great opportunity for a travel brand to engage with me and say, well, actually, here's, here's some top level costs. Let me send you some more information to your phone. Now, I wouldn't expect the the user to then go ahead and then book the whole thing by voice but you've just got that initial touch point with them uh which you can then use additional touch points to convert them and, and ultimately get the get the business that you want and one of the things that you have done recently which i think was a thing that i mean we've been talking about doing a podcast together for months and even years maybe even uh for for quite a while but one of the things that, that really caught my eye was the the recent video that you put out are all around alleviating loneliness and uh first of all we'll get into that 
in more detail. Would you want to give us a bit of a synopsis of, of what that piece of work was and, and, and how you kind of went about it and what you did? Sure. Uh, so um, we we work with a um, an organization called Abbeyfield. They're, uh, they own about 400 uh, care and retirement living homes around the UK. They've got about seven and a half thousand residents. And, and their whole kind of key purpose has always been uh, about le- alleviating loneliness in people. Uh, and one of the things that we were talking to them about was, you know, how we could potentially use technology to help this. And as we started to dive a bit deeper into how big a problem this was, we started to find some stats. And one of the worst uh, or most, I suppose, alarming stats that we, we saw was um, Age UK saying that uh, there's about half a million older people who regularly gave, regularly go five days uh, without talking to another human being. And I think that that's something that really spoke to me and to my team. We've all got either parents or grandparents uh, that might be in a similar situation. And we wanted to just see, is this something that we could do to, to, to help with this problem? How did you approach that then? What, what kind of steps did you take and, and how did everything kind of unfold? You worked with, was it Abbeyfield, you said? That's right, yeah. So how, how, how did, where did, where did the idea come from? And then what, what, how did you kind of like uh, go about the sort of implementation of, of this project? So, uh, so we spoke to Abbeyfield to see if there, there's something that they thought that some of their residents might be um, up for. Uh, we also um, uh, engaged with the University of Reading, um, a professor called Arlene Estelle, who um, I, I won't get her, uh, <laughs> I won't get her credentials right, but she's a, very, very smart, and she looks at things like um, cognitive disorders um, and, and all kinds of things in, in, in the elderly. So we got her involved, and we and we said, why don't we just try and run a pilot scheme where we can just put some Alexas and Google Assistants into um, some residents' rooms, uh, teach them how to use them, and then find out, um, find out first of all, find out uh, a sort of um, what kind of state they were in terms of how lonely they were, then bring in the devices, uh, and then um, and then find out after a period of time what that was like. So, um, so first of all, Arlene she wrote some qualitative surveys um, so that we could ask specific questions to the residents. The next thing we had to do was actually get the residents um, comfortable enough with these devices because something. I mean, first of all, the average age of the residents in this um, pilot was eighty nine. So these are people who, who weren't comfortable with smartphones, um, probably didn't even have a laptop. So we had to kind of bring these devices in and see if we get them to use them. So what we did, and it was it was all the way back last Christmas, we um, we wrote a, like a kind of a Christmas Day quiz thing that we went and sat down with the residents at one of the homes um, uh, around like the 20th of December. And we made sure that all the questions that we wrote could be answered by Google Assistant. And these are, you know, typical kind of Christmas quiz questions like, uh, I don't know, what color is Rudolph's nose? And, you know, like what what do you traditionally find in a Christmas pudding? Like real simple questions that Google can answer. But we also wanted to have quite a few sort of musical ones in there. So we went in and we, we hosted this quiz amongst all the residents. We went through all the questions. And then at the end, uh, we got Google Assistant to answer the uh, the questions and also to play different songs and we got the residents having a sing-along so that was a great first step to get them comfortable with a what the device was capable of doing and b that it wasn't kind of something to be scared of did you, did you build anything else adam 
for the Alexa devices? Did you write any other skills other than this quiz to try and alleviate loneliness? Or was the goal here just seeing if having a voice first device in the in the homes, in the rooms itself could alleviate loneliness? Yes, yeah, so it was. So, I mean, after the quiz, the, what, we, what we wanted to do was get the devices in the, in the residence rooms. Um, so, no, we, we wanted to keep it really simple. So, we didn't uh, create any custom skills. We just wanted to see, as you said, Dustin, if the act of speaking to a, a virtual assistant itself could help to alleviate loneliness. And there's a lot of studies that have been done in terms of um, how good it is for people to actually speak. Um, uh, I think we all kind of are aware of where you might get an elderly couple where they've been married for 50 years and then one of the couple dies and then the, 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 the surviving spouse dies very soon after. Uh, and so, yeah, we just wanted to make it really simple and just find out um, if the act of speaking was enough. So, um, so some of the res, so the, the residents that were selected, uh, they went through and answered all the questions, first of all. We had some amazing people. We had someone who'd lost his wife after 70 years. Um, and he talked about even though he was um, in, a, in a home, um, like a, re a residential home, that uh, after dinner, he would then go to, go to his room and just be sat on his own, um, which was really hard, you know, really, really, it was hard to watch because this was a guy who was, you know, in, a, in great med mental and physical health, but you could see how unhappy he was. So the first week, all we did was um, we just introduced really simple things like uh, how you can find out what the weather is. And then week two, we, w we went in and we set them up with Spotify accounts so they could um, listen to some music. Every week we went in and we gave them different things that they could do. And we also created these sort of cheat sheets that they could look at. They knew what to, what to ask at different times. And how, how did people find it? Initially, was there anything uh, you mentioned earlier on that, you know, a lot of these people didn't have laptops and, and, and not necessarily kind of heavy users of technology, as you probably wouldn't expect an 80 or 90 year old to be. Was there any um, like one of the things that people always say about voice is that it's really accessible and that it's really frictionless and all that kind of stuff. Were there any challenges in getting started for these people to actually use these devices in the first place, do you think? Uh, I think if we'd have just installed them and left them to it, then I think that maybe there would have been a challenge. But I think because uh, no, I think there was half a dozen of our team were going in there once a week and actually sitting down with them and explaining how it worked. And we had we had guys using it to cheat on their crosswords, and we had guys um, you know using it to listen to music. So I think that yeah, for us, the the biggest challenge would have been just leaving them to it, and and obviously. If we were to wanted to scale this, then there would be problems, um, I think, there that we'd need to overcome. But because we spent so much time with them uh, explaining how to use the devices, um, and once people got over the initial fear, then yeah, those challenges were eradicated. Adam, where were the where were the residents struggling? Were there any specific areas of the interaction that caused them more issues than others? Not really. I think the, the, the biggest potential issue we had with a couple of residents was actually more kind of concerns about um, security. So I, I'm sure you guys are the same. When someone says, oh, I don't want uh, you know, a, a speaker listening to me, you know, one of the first things you can turn around and say is, well, you know, you have your phone by your bed and you're in your pocket and everything else. 
but this is not something that these people were used to. So the concept of something listening to them was, was definitely concerning. And we did have a couple of residents who then spoke to their children, and obviously their children were probably in their 50s and 60s, um, who, who were really uncomfortable with the concept of data. And although we had, um, we anonymized everything so that when we did look uh, afterwards to find out what some of the key questions asked were, we anonymized all the data. Um, we did have, I, I think that was probably the, the biggest issue um, was around the sort of data security and just them really understanding how it worked and, and what it was like to, to let Google and, and Amazon have access to so much data. So you'd brought these devices in, you had kind of got people on board with them and every week you were going back and, you know, increasing or at least increasing their uh, knowledge on what these things can do. How did it pan out from there? Then how long did this go for and what were some of the results that you ended up seeing? So uh, in total, the the residents had the speakers for eight weeks when in fact they, I mean, they kept them, but the, the, the pilot went on for eight weeks. Um, and what we did after the eight weeks was we sat down and we asked them the same set of questions. Um, and because it was qualitative, uh, you know, it, each kind of set of questions was much more kind of around a conversation. It wasn't a kind of how on a scale of one to 10, how lonely do you feel? But, uh, all of the residents said that they felt, um, that they had a friend in the room, that they, it was great to have someone to talk to. They felt less alone. Um, they, uh, one lady who was just, just said that she, she, she didn't want to give it back. So, I mean, altogether, it was really successful in terms of everybody who used it got a really positive reaction and, um, and felt much more positive um, about having this device in the room. That's interesting because there's a lot of, there's lots of, um, not lots actually, there's not that many rather, but I've seen other examples where they've put voice assistants, people have put voice assistants in like uh, residential homes. And we've had, we've had um, Heidi Culbertson on the podcast in the past from Ask Marvi. Uh, she does a, a lot of work with, with older adults uh, and voice. And one of the things that, that was found was that even just having the speaker in the room and doing something as simple as playing music, not only was it good because people can listen to songs from the whenever the era is, you know, uh, that they that they won't be readily available on Radio 1 or whatever, um, but also it stimulated a conversation between them. So if there's a group of people as a smart speaker, they play music and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I went to see this group at such and such a place and this reminds me of when I first started dating my husband. And it kind of like stimulates more social interaction amongst the people uh, amongst the people there. Did, did you notice or were you looking for anything similar in terms of like additional benefits you might have seen over and above what you were initially setting out to do? Yeah, I think that um, I think that's a, a great point as well because yeah, just we know that this is never going to be a replacement um, for for real conversation, and I think this is a kind of a case of trying to augment uh, conversations when people don't have the time to spend um, with their relatives or their loved ones. Uh, I watched a um, a TED talk recently by a um, I forget I forget his name. I'll share it with you later. He, he's um, but he's a Harvard professor and he's he's running a study on on men that's been going for 75 years and they were looking at every aspect um, of these different men from um, the Boston area. So they looked at, so, and they started with some, some guys are all at Harvard, so relatively privileged. 
and some kids who were from the poorest areas of Boston. And over time, they then started to study their children. Um, and, and a lot of these, these original guys are now dead. They, um, they looked at every aspect of their lives, their mental, physical health, their wealth, their status. And the thing that, um, the, 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 the one key finding from this about what is the, the key to living a, a long, happy, healthy life was the amount of connections that you have. Um, and this is, this is not just social media connections. This is, um, relationships and the, and the, uh, the health of your relationships. And so, as, as you said, Kane, to be able to use it to stimulate conversation with others, um, especially when you're getting to the later stages in life and you might have less friends around the idea of being able to, to create something that can, uh, um, instigate conversations with others, I think is, is really, really positive for these people, all people. Mm. And are you uh, continuing to do work with older adults and, and the elderly, or is there kind of other things going on in terms of the future? Looking forward at Greenwood Campbell, you've learned a hell of a lot through doing this study. Are you seeing that as an opportunity to carry on helping older adults? Are you looking at uh, other opportunities as well? What, what do you see the kind of next sort of 12 months at Greenwood Campbell from a voice perspective turning out like? So, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the work has been um, really fulfilling, um, not just for the, the participants in the pilot, but for the team here as well. We've, um, we've all felt really, really great working with these people and, and actually seeing a, a positive uplift in their, in their um, mental and physical health. So this is something that we want to try and understand how we can scale this, because I think that there are so many things that voice can do, as well as just the kind of um, alleviating loneliness by giving them someone to speak to. We're now looking at how to create specific skills for care homes that will um, do things like um, maybe medication reminders, or you can find out what uh, um, when the meal times are, what food they might be having, what different activities are happening within the, the various homes. Uh, I think there's loads that can be done there. There's stuff that can be done there with them. Um, with uh, adult care as well, when you've got people who require medication and that means they need three or four visits um, every day to make sure they're taking their medication. I think there's, um, I think there's definitely the, uh, um, the potential there whereby using um, some kind of voice assistant that you could reduce the amount of visits. Now, we don't want to reduce the amount of people uh, or the amount of time that people spend with other people. But those types of services can be really expensive and it can, can mean that lots of people can't use them. So I think there's a lot of um, a lot of potential there um, in that space. So it's something that we're going to be really, really going after next year. Cool. Well, what we'll do, if there's anybody, there's 30 people now watching on LinkedIn. If anyone has any questions for Adam, feel free to pop them in the, uh, in the comments. Thinking about voice and what you've learned over the next kind of over the last two years rather thinking about given that it's kind of towards the end of the year now thinking about 2020 what are some of your kind of hopes for voice in 2020 it could be from a practical perspective it could be from an industry market perspective but what are you hoping to see happen or what are some of the things that you'd like to see happen in 2020 I think the um, I think just more and more support from the um, the vendors. Um, we've started to get some great support from both Google and Alexa, but um, certainly voice search is very much a kind of black box. How do you get found when you ask for something? Um, I think that we still need to see some strategy around voice searches, but specifically on Google, 
because at the moment, if you type a search in your phone or your laptop, you're going to get half a dozen paid results around your organic results. How is that going to work with voice? Um, I think that's going to be really interesting. It'd be good to see some strategy around that so that um, we can advise our clients on how to do it. Um, and then I think just gen general discoverability as well, because there are loads, there are thousands and thousands of skills and apps that have been built on both uh, Google and Alexa, which don't really get found and don't really get used. So I think that the more that the voice development community can get together and, and learn about this and the more that the vendors can support us, I think the better, the, the better for, for voice. Um, and I also think that the more devices that we can have in our homes, the more microphones we can have, the more um, screens that we can have will, will definitely improve the user experience for anybody who's using voice. Adam, you care a lot about uh, social good. You care about a, a lot about using technology to help people. And so in your opinion, would you say that voice has been a net positive, a net negative, or so far neutral for human happiness? I think that's a great question. Uh, I don't know. It probably sits around neutral. I think that there are... Um, some, I think I think that there's some benefits, especially when we're looking at much younger children and much older people, because it removes the the um, the issues with interface that some people can have. Because if you're able to speak, then that's um, then that's great. I think also we've seen for um, people with uh, disabilities. So um, you know, so a kind of um, something I always talk about is where. I was talking to somebody about how great it was I could switch my lights on and off at home and, and a friend of mine saying, well, what's wrong with the light switch? Um, and, and then I just said to him, well, but there's so many people in the world who can't use a light switch. This is, this is a game changer for them. There's people who can't get out of their chairs. They can't operate um, any, anything, uh, whether it's curtains or anything else. So I think that there are certain groups in society who are getting massive benefit from voice. Um, and I think that over time, it's going to be um, it's going to be positive for everybody. Cool, Dustin. Any final thoughts? We're not getting any questions from LinkedIn thus far, uh, and I know we've got a five thirty finish. So, any any final thoughts or questions for Adam? Adam, really appreciate you coming on. I think it's it's great that you're thinking about this from a different perspective. I know you mentioned uh, you work in business, you have an agency, and and so certainly the ROI is is interesting to you, and you care about that, but to have someone thinking about how we can use this technology for good is is very interesting and very useful and very needed as well. Great. Well, yeah, it's, um, I think, you know, we've all seen um, Simon Sinek start with a Y and, uh, you know, I think purpose is so important for everybody. It's like the, the ultimate existential question is, you know, what's the meaning of life? Why am I here? So um, to be able to, to create some purpose in my organization that, that my team are really behind uh, and I'm really behind is great. It, it means that coming to work is, uh, is a real pleasure. And we've got one final, we have got a question from Sean Gilligan, actually. Uh, we'll, we'll throw that one in there. So with podcasts starting to appear in search results, are you seeing an increase in demand for podcast production? Well, I think, uh, I mean, that's got to be a question for you, Kane, rather <laughs> than me. <laughs> I'm not seeing an increase from, from my perspective, uh, although, you know, we do try and churn out these these podcasts, but we don't necessarily work uh, on podcast production specifically. Um, I, I would think that, 
you know, podcasting in general is starting to become something that more and more companies are doing. So I think there's more generally a, a, a kind of widening of the requirement for podcasts. Um, but I'm not entirely sure whether that is totally and entirely linked to uh, the rise of, of voice. I, I think it might, might not be completely disconnected, but, uh, you know, I think that audio in general, podcasts in general, seem to be getting constant every single year. There's growth in listenership. Uh, I think voice will, will fuel it, but I'm personally not being asked to produce podcasts for for people that much so thank you everybody for for tuning in and adam thank you so much for joining us what we'll do on the linkedin post i'll tag you in there so if anybody uh wants to reach out to you that way they can do but how what's the best way for people to reach out to you or follow the greenwood campbell story uh you can just search for the human tech agency on google uh, or ask google um to speak to greenwood campbell fantastic and Adam, this, this has been a long overdue and an absolute pleasure. And I, I just echo what Dustin was saying in terms of, you know, what you're doing is, is really kind of heartfelt and you really kind of get into the essence of what voice can and the potential of voice really for, for certain groups of people is to enrich their lives, make things far easier for them and actually to actually bring about stuff that they otherwise couldn't have access to. That We, we covered something similar when we spoke to uh, the people from uh, Smart Design Worldwide and looking at Susan and kind of making exactly what you were just uh, explaining, being able to close and open, I think she had MS or ME, being able to open and close blinds, switch the TV on and off, you know, all stuff that she couldn't do without help before, uh, but now she can do because of voice. And I think it's a noble quest that you're on and I wish you all the best. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. This will be out on the podcast tomorrow. And apologies for the uh, the editing issues towards the very beginning. Uh, first time ever using this tool to broadcast a podcast episode, but I'm sure it will get better over time. Uh, the next episode will be with Sarah Andrew Wilson of Matchbox. That'll be next Monday, similar kind of time, maybe an hour or two later. So we hope to see you then. And hopefully the editing and production will be a little bit smoother. So until next time, Dustin, it's always a pleasure as always. Uh, and until next time, boys and girls, see you later.